It's Wednesday, February 6th. Welcome to Market Fuller. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Charlie Travers, and from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. Good to see you guys. Thanks Hello. Hey. Uh, we're going to talk earnings from Chipotle and Disney. We've got a big biotech deal going down, and Hasbro making news with a new monopoly piece. We will get to all of that, but let's start with Chipotle. Chipotle's fourth quarter profit up nearly 7%. That was just barely below expectations. But Charlie, couldn't have been too bad because shares are up about 5% this morning. I thought the numbers looked pretty good, Chris. Uh, sales for the year were up 20%. Uh, the same store sales were up 7 And due to higher traffic, which you always like to see, it means that you know customers are still coming in and finding Chipotle attractive, even though there's some uh, notable competitors we might talk about a little later, including Taco Bell. And their margins were up. So uh, their earnings were doing great. And you know this year they said they're going to open up another 165 to 180 stores. They have 1,400 right now. So, you know, I see Chipotle doing all the right things and I'm, you know, pretty excited about this business and the stock has rebounded nicely from where it bottomed uh, in the past few months in the low 200s. Uh, so, I think it's looking good. And Jason, what do you think? I I believe you listened to the conference call. Was there anything in particular that stood out from that or I think uh, you know Charlie keyed in a lot of things there that that mattered. Um, you know they got out in front of this release a few weeks ago with a pre-release, which I think was interesting because the stock went from two ninety seven to two eighty in one day, right. and now it's you know it's bouncing back up to three twenty. So there were no surprises in the release, but I think there's a lot of reason to be encouraged for a number of a number of things that Charlie had already mentioned. But you know food food cost inflation is going to be something that should be relatively under control for the year. They may pass through a price increase at some point, maybe in the back half of two thousand and thirteen, uh, but the nice thing is that they can do that. They have that pricing power to, to be able to get away with that a little bit because of the quality of the food and the experience. Um, I thought there are there are some initiatives they're taking, um, they're undertaking here for the new year. Catering, I think, is one that, that sounds exciting. Uh, they're very, uh, it sounds like they're very amped about the shop house uh, concept. They're going to open a couple more of those. And they are doing a great job in bringing traffic into the stores. There are a couple of points there uh, that I wanted to note on the throughput, which is essentially how many people they're bringing through that line on an hourly basis. They were able to up that uh, to three additional transactions per hour in peak times, which is lunch and dinner. So that means every hour they're bringing three more people through that line. And, you know, that's always usually a pretty long line anyway. Uh, but they were also able to increase their transactions on a quarterly basis uh, by better than 3%. And on an annual basis, it was about 5%. So they're doing a good job of keeping people coming in. They'll keep creating more awareness. They're going to advertise a little bit more this year, uh, building some, some sales offices in their 25 top markets. So I think they really are doing a great job of delivering deliberately spreading the word of what I think is a really good concept. What about the competition that you referenced, Charlie? Because uh, I don't think anyone would look at sort of Taco Bell's basic menu and think that they're trying to accomplish the same things that Chipotle is. But with the, the cantina menu that they rolled out last year, it seems like I how should I put this? It seems like competition from Taco Bell is maybe more serious now than it has been in the past. Is that fair to Did say? Did you see the Taco Bell Super Bowl ad where they're playing up the quality of their? Uh, I think it was the burrito. No, I saw the, yeah, so the they Taco had, like, Bell this Super Bowl ad with all the, o- the older old people, people yeah. partying. Yeah, <laughs> so there's so. like oh, putting in effort, like oh, we had this stringent chef who was really picky about what we put into the food. So okay. I, I do think they're putting in an effort, but I think the quality is not going to compete with Chipotle. But you're also paying a lower price point. I think a company like Panera is probably a more robust competitor in the six to eight dollar price point because maybe you don't always want a burrito. Sometimes you just want super a sandwich. Yeah. 
but I'm, I'm actually not worried. Chipotle is a phenomenal brand, and the value for what you get is phenomenal. Yeah, I think the key there for like what, what Taco Bell is doing, I think it's going to offer their consumers an option to sort of trade up from the menu they might be used to. I'm not really too terribly worried about Taco Bell stealing many customers away from Chipotle, because truthfully, I just think they're two different worlds altogether. Uh, so it, it's, I think that's you know more of a win for Taco Bell and less of a concern for something like a Chipotle. They definitely would need to keep their eye on something like a Panera that offers an alternative. Keeping in mind the growth targets that you guys talked about in terms of how many more locations they're looking to open this year, et cetera, what is the right way to think about this stock if you're an investor and you're looking at it? I mean, this is, this is for me personally, this is one of those stocks that I have just watched for years, even though I enjoy the business, I enjoy the food, that sort of thing, and I've never jumped in. Is this still a growth stock? Is that the way to think about this? Or how do you think about it? Uh, I think it is a growth stock for a lot longer than I might have appreciated a year or two ago. Um, to put in some context, Chipotle with 1,400 restaurants, you have McDonald's and Yum! Brands with over 30,000 restaurants globally. Uh, I'm not saying Chipotle could quite match that number, but I think you know, 10, 15,000 is certainly within reach. You agree with that, Jason? I do. I mean, I'm a shareholder of Chipotle personally, and, and I was going through a, a presentation just of a couple of weeks ago where they made reference to the fact that they, they had this opportunity to open up thousands of stores in the coming years. And when we think of their presence at 1,400 today, you know, thousands would imply we're looking at three, four, five thousand stores in some in some capacity there. And I think really what L, Stephen L's the, the the founder of the company, has has caught on uh, with is that they've they've really developed a platform in which to serve food. It doesn't necessarily have to be a burrito or a Mexican concept. We're seeing them, tra- you know, translate that, translate that over into like the Thai concept with Shop House. It could go into something else as well. So as long as he's at the helm, I think there is really a lot of growth for this company to be had. Disney's first quarter earnings fell 6%, uh, but shares up around 1% this morning. And Jason, typically when we talk about Disney and all of the divisions, it seems like the focus tends to be on the parks and resorts and the media division. Both of those seem to do pretty well. Right, yeah, the focus this time should be on Star Wars and Darth Vader and... Yeah, yeah. That was a little impression. Are you like that? <laughs> a very um, I'll give you a seven. Really <laughs> seven. I could probably do better if I really had time. Um, yeah, the, the 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 segments I was focused on here first and foremost were media networks and parks and resorts because those are the biggest money makers. And so while revenue grew in both of those segments by seven percent, which is encouraging, uh, and, and operating income did grow, the operating margins in those segments continue to compress a little bit. And the reason why uh, with with parks and resorts, they've had to resort to a lot of uh, deals to get people into the doors, uh, you know, whether it's lower ticket prices or or ticket deals or something like that, package deals to encourage more people to come uh, to the resorts. Now they are able to to help offset that with more traffic by selling more stuff in the in the parks, which is good. And so, but you can see over time, over the last you know ten years, revenue has has gone up nicely in those segments, but the the operating profit has remained relatively flat. Uh, Media networks, best known for probably ESPN, which contributes. Yep. Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about thirty percent of 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 EBITDA for for the company, and that's that's a lot of money. You're thinking about uh, three three billion dollars or so. Um, higher programming costs are going to hit ESPN, but by the same token, when you look at deals that they just recently cut with the NFL, with Major League Baseball, college football, 
there is no substitute for ESPN. Disney knows this, and so that's really, you know, it's really a big linchpin to the performance of this company. Studio entertainment, that division actually fell about 5%, and it seems, at least if you look at the media reports, it seems like a lot of the blame was going to marketing costs. And yeah, they were blaming it on Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> on Lincoln, on, on Monsters, Inc., the 3D yeah. that they rolled out there. But it does seem, and we've talked about this before, certainly last year with the John Carter debacle, <laughs> The marketing costs around some of these movies is insane. I mean, it's it, it's honestly it's one of those things that makes me think it must be nice to <laughs> to be a marketing person for a movie studio because apparently you just get an unlimited budget, more or less. And I think that, that what it also can argue too. So we know that uh, movie studios in general, I think DreamWorks Animation is another good example of, of they can be kind of lumpy because they're very hit based. But it also I think reiterates the reiterates the importance of when Disney catches on to a good franchise. Because as they sort of stretch that out, they don't have to advertise or push it as much because people right. already know about it, and so they just—that's more money that falls to the bottom line there. That's um, why I think we saw some of this talk about not just the additional three Star Wars movies that are going to be part of the overall sort of trilogies, but also spinoffs. Yeah, that there may be Star Wars movies that are just as I think someone on Twitter put it. Maybe we're going to see a, like a romantic comedy with Yoda. Yeah, and it's yeah. Yoda and Boba Fett. I mean, yeah. who knows? But yeah, I think that's a good indicator that they are going to really milk this Lucasfilm acquisition for all it's worth. And really, you know, Disney for all it does well, we do have to look at it as sort of a, a growth by acquisition strategy to a degree here going forward. And Iger, Bob Iger, the CEO there, has done a wonderful job, uh, trifecta of acquisitions with Marvel and Pixar and and now Lucasfilm. Yeah. So I'd say he has a track record of success there, uh, but it's definitely something to to keep an eye on for the for the years to come. Just to close out on the stock, uh, shares of Disney were up thirty three percent in twenty twelve. Uh, I'm guessing it would be crazy to expect anything like that in twenty thirteen. I think it has a premium. I think right now with the market at relatively uh, arguably frothy levels, I don't know that the stock is a deal. I'd probably wait for a pullback there, but I do think it's a great stock to own for a long period of time, just because it has sort of that generational reset. With you know, our kids have kids, and they'll watch Disney, and Disney's just going to always yeah. be part of our lives in some way or form. Frothy, good word, and, yeah. and an apt description for the market today. Biogen had partnered with Elan Corp on a drug to treat multiple sclerosis. This morning, Biogen bought Elan's stake in the drug. For three and a quarter billion dollars plus future royalties, and Charlie, when I see news like that, I would, in my ignorance, automatically assume that now that Elan Corp just got handed a big check for three and a quarter billion dollars, <laughs> that their stock would be soaring, that Biogen would be taking a hit, and in fact, the opposite is the case. Elan is down more than eight percent. Biogen is up more than three percent. What is going on here? When I saw that press release uh, before the market opened this morning, I thought Alon would be up huge today. And in fact, the opposite is happening, as you mentioned. Um, Alon's drug to Sabri, which was a 50-50 joint venture along with Biogen IDEC, this is a blockbuster multiple sclerosis drug. Um, it does have some side effect concerns, but it also sold a billion six last year and is still growing at a mid-teens rate. This is a very exciting uh, product, even though the multiple sclerosis space is getting more and more competitive. Uh, but, you know, I've said this on the show, 
before. You always take the money when it's offered, and when they got offered $3 billion, I think they took it. Right. Uh, especially because they do retain some upside if sales continue to grow because of the tiered royalty structure. Uh, so for sales up to $2 billion a year, they get at 18% royalty. This is hundreds of millions of dollars a year. So it's not like they got paid $3 billion and there's nothing else coming uh, down the road. They're, they're still getting a pretty big payout every year off of this. Um, I think it's very exciting. Um, but why I think the stock is down, so you have a $6 billion market cap and a company with $4 billion in cash, but they've basically sold off all of their assets. Um, they spun off their drug discovery unit in December. Now they just sold off their uh, blockbuster drug. Um, they do have a drug in clinical trials, but it's only one product. Um, so there's really not much here other than a giant cash pile. And I think there's a lot of skepticism about what the company is going to do with it because all they said on the call was that they're either going to buy back a lot of shares and they can certainly buy a ton of them, yeah. or they're looking to uh, go around the world and buy up uh, drugs that have not been invested in very heavily. So maybe their sales are underperforming. So a drug with like 30 million in sales, they think with a little bit of promotion and tweaking, they can get it up to $100 million. I don't think that's exciting to a lot of people because they don't understand what Elan actually is anymore. Why do you think Biogen is up to the degree that it is, it is up? Because again, they're they're paying out. Obviously, it's a much bigger company. I think the right. market cap somewhere in like the like thirty five, thirty eight billion dollars, something like that. But I mean, is this, I, I thought the era of blockbuster drugs was essentially over, and it seems like based on what's happening today. That's not the case, at least with this drug. So I think there was a lot of speculation that Biogen was going to buy Elan outright. Um, and I think there's some relief that they only bought out the rights to Tysabri and not the whole company. That the check they wrote was for only three and a quarter billion. Right, instead of $6 billion. So I think there's an element of that. And they do get full control over Tysabri's future, which is important. So you're not making decisions on additional clinical trials by committee. You know, they get full control over the drug's future prospects. Shares of Biogen right now are at an all-time high, to use Jason's word. Does it look frothy? I think Biogen is frothy. However, Elan looks tasty. <laughs> With frothy in your Starbucks cup there, Chris, I'm getting thirsty. I All think right. we need to make a run after the show here. Uh, we will wrap this up after our final story. Hasbro uh, made news this morning by announcing a new piece for the Monopoly board game. And I think that... The, <clears throat> I mean, I don't have to explain what Monopoly is. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's available in, in over 100 <laughs> countries. But um, There's an app for that, too. There is an app for that. Uh, so the Hasbro had essentially a competition online where they were asking people to vote for one of five new pieces, a cat, a guitar, a robot, a diamond ring, or a helicopter. And the cat won. I can't figure this out. I can't Ooh. figure this out either. I would have bet on... Either the robot or the helicopter. Um, I don't know, but but I mean a guitar would be pretty cool. I think it would be, but here here's here's what I find awesome about this story. So not only did Hasbro say to people out there, vote for a new piece, but they also said vote for a piece to leave. Now keep in mind <laughs> that the existing pieces were the steamship, the boot, the thimble, the car, the top hat, the wheelbarrow the iron, and the little Scotty dog. I'm assuming that's part of why the cat won, to sort of offset the Scotty dog. Um, but the iron got booted off the, you know, the island, so to speak. Um, but here's what's great about this. There's a company in Pennsylvania called Ames True Temper, which is a subsidiary of Griffin Corporation, which is a publicly traded company. One of the things that Ames True Temper does is they make wheelbarrows, and they make 
80% of the wheelbarrows that are sold in the United States. So apparently they started an online campaign months ago to save the wheelbarrow. And <laughs> they, they won! They actually f- officially formed a lobby, from what I understand, to go ahead and make sure that that didn't really? happen. Really? No, I'm just kidding. It, you know what? Wouldn't, it, wor- it wouldn't shock me. It worked. I have a solution that's really what they should have. Now, I'm a dog guy, so I'm probably going to offend a few cat lovers out there. But what if, you know, you vote the cat on, and you keep the iron, and you put the iron on top of the cat? <laughs> That's that, yeah. Uh, I think I'm not a cat lover, but yeah, I think you're going to offend send all lovers. emails to radio at fool.com. Charlie, I know you're a big board game guy. Uh, yeah, I'm really upset by this. Are you? The iron was my favorite piece. I played like hundreds of games of Monopoly as a kid, and it's the best piece, or was the best piece, because the surface was flat, which made it easy to go around the board. Whereas, like, nice. you got like the car or the dog, they tip over all the time. So you're going to be sending some angry emails. Yes, to I am. Yes. I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Um, so now that the iron is gone, again, we're talking steamship, uh, boot, thimble, top hat, car, Scotty dog, wheelbarrow, cat. Uh, when Jason and I come over to your place tonight and we're playing Monopoly, what you get first pick because you're the host. What are you picking? Uh, horse and rider. Horse, I don't think that's an option anymore. I am so out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, as a kid, I always went with the car. But I could do top yeah. hat, too. Jason? I'm a big fan of the wheelbarrow. I'm pro wheelbarrow, Chris wheelbarrow on that note jason moser charlie travers guys thanks for being here thank you as always people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the motley fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear that's it for this edition of market foolery our producer is matt greer i'm chris hill thanks for listening we'll see you tomorrow <laughs>